This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast, your source for timely agronomic information and real-world solutions from industry leaders. And now, introducing your host out of Northwestern Indiana by way of Purdue University and Iowa State University, the terror of the Kankakee, Carl Jorn. And representing Northeastern Indiana by way of Purdue University and Indiana Wesleyan University, purveyor of agronomic excellence, pilot extraordinaire, Brian the Red Baron Schrader. And representing Southern Indiana by way of Purdue University and Iowa State University, dirt nerd and beard enthusiast, Ben Jacob. And now... It's time! Please enjoy the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. We're uh, with T.C. Hussman this morning. T.C. is the granular area digital sales manager. Uh, He lives in Gaston, Indiana, covers most of the state of Indiana and part of Illinois. Uh, T.C., we wanted you on this morning so we could talk about all of the things around granular agronomy. We've got a lot of tools there, but we wanted to get you on and talk through it a little bit. There's a lot of folks out there that probably aren't as familiar with it as we'd sure like them to be, but uh, wanted to talk to you given the fact that we're coming into uh, fungicide application season. We've got the granular imagery tool we can use. We just got a lot of tools, and so we wanted to have you on and have a conversation with you today just to be able to tap into your expertise and learn a little bit more. So uh, if you don't mind, can I start out a little bit with your background, if you would? Yeah, good morning everybody. So I've been uh I've been the the Corteva Granular Area Digital Sales Manager for the last 6 years. Prior to that, I was a field agronomist for Pioneer. Um I've worked in the agronomy and digital ag space between ag retail and working for Corteva for the last 25 years. So I've got a, a vast array of experiences over the years. Uh, working in both agronomy and digital and trying to combine those together to help customers find solutions for their farm. TC, maybe a big question to start out with, with that much experience and being early on in precision ag with your retail background and everything, what do you see as the biggest difference today with where we started out? What kind of give us an idea of where you see that change curve that we've had over the last 25 years. You know, I, you know, the, the technology has really changed uh, both in the equipment and in the software packages that we have, the amount of data that we can ingest now and utilize. Um, You know, I can remember the early days of putting the first yield monitors in the old AL 2000s that we had to cut holes in new combines. You would never dream of that today. You know, it comes with the equipment. Um, the early systems to spread variable rate fertility have gotten much different. Now we've got toolbars that can go almost to the row on, on how they apply materials. Um, and, and so the equipment's a lot more prevalent out there today than it was 20, 25 years ago. 
and the amount of data that the software can handle, the years of yield data, the, the soils data, all of the different things like that that we can now um, utilize, you know, getting, uh, getting a new image with imagery almost daily is common today. Ten years ago, that would have been unheard of. We wouldn't have even thought about it. So the amount that we can truly use is, is staggering sometimes to think about. And it still doesn't move near as fast as all of us want it to, right? I mean, we still have limitations out there that we we think, boy, it'd be great if I could do this, but the software's just not capable yet today. I, I remember using the first light bar that I had, and I think it was a one hertz receiver. So, it, you know, it updated once every second with the GPS signal. I mean, to think that you were doing things with that today, it, it's almost laughable, to be honest about right. it. Right. It really is. Right. TC, for the uh, the uninitiated, you, you spoke to imagery, and I was curious if you could kind of give us a 30-second overview of what that is, how we get it, and how does it work? What is imagery in today's context? Okay, so so today, you know, what I'd be talking about is two products. We've got Granular Insights, um, that's kind of our customer-driven tool, uh, and then we've also got the Pioneer Seeds app that has imagery in it. Um, we, we get satellite imagery from Planet Labs as our provider. We then process it um, through a WNDVR or WDRVI, so Wide Dynamic Range Vegetative Index, um, which basically we get an image maybe once every uh, two to three days, depending on cloud cover. Um, so we get a new picture at a three meter resolution of your fields all the time. Five years ago, you would have probably been lucky to have one one image a week. And then because the, the satellite providers might have only had 10 or 12 satellites up there, Planet's got 200. So image frequency is a lot higher, plus resolution is a lot higher. I like, to, um, I like to equate it to things that we all understand. Look at your iPhone today, the, the technology in it, how good's the camera in that, that phone that you have now. Think back to your iPhone 10 years ago or your flip phone 10 years ago and the image quality and the, the capabilities that it had. That's kind of what you're dealing with is a difference in technology and we take make step changes, but satellites just don't magically get up into, into orbit. It takes time to get those up there and to, to readjust. Well, I, I think that's an excellent point that TC made uh, in terms of, you know, we talked about that 25-year time horizon and how much things have changed. And even just here in the last five years, how much things have changed from a from a data ingestion and a data quality standpoint. We're really able to start, you know, quote-unquote farming on a, on a micro scale, you know, sub-combine sub uh, header widths and, and things of that nature right now. So, uh, I'm curious, TC, what, what sort of things are people using imagery for at, at this standpoint uh, in the growing season? Right. So we've really seen our usage pick up in the last probably three weeks of, of customers and, and reps and, and employees really using the imagery. So, you know, to me, it, we're using it a lot for, for pre-scouting, so understanding if I'm seeing changes in fields from a couple weeks ago to now, um, do I need to go take a look at them? Trying to quantify how much of the field has maybe disease pressure. Um, 
you know, the technology now allows you to kind of see the image on your phone and see where you're at. So now I can be more proactive scouting. So you guys are both agronomists. How, how fun is it walking pollinating corn in the middle of July when it's 90 degrees out and 110 in the field, right? The highlight of what? my year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's what we all say, right? <laughs> and, you know, but ultimately I can walk around in an 80 acre cornfield all day and maybe miss the spot that I needed to see. So having imagery of some type, whether it's from a drone, from a satellite, from an airplane gives me an idea of where to go walk to be more efficient at looking at the right things in that field and then understanding how big the problem is. So to me, that's a lot of what we're using it for. And then, you know, obviously it's diagnosing if we have a problem, if we see a major change from the images from a week ago, does that make trigger me to go look at which fields? If I've got 30 or 40 fields, I may not be able to look at every one of them each week. But if I but if I get an alert that says, wow, something majorly changed, good or bad in this field, now it's going to trigger me to go look at that one and spend my time wisely. Brian, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, here here in the last week or so, my area, I'm starting to see gray leaf spots show up with a little bit more uh, more veracity. It's not quite to the point where I'm I'm telling everybody call in the airplane, but there have been some fields that have warranted to spray. Uh, we've got a lot of corn that's pollinating at this point in the game. Where do things stand in Northeast Indiana? I'd say we're about in the same situation, Carl. You know, TC mentioned this scout priority thing. And so I'm sure you and I and a lot of other folks, because of the way granular insights where we get this imagery works, we get a notice of these fields that have changed. And I've been in a couple of those fields that I got notice on Monday have changed, and you can definitely find some gray in it. I'm I'm like you. I'm not ready to say let's everybody call the the airplane or the helicopter or load the high clearance sprayer. But with the moisture that we've gotten over the last four or five days and the temperatures that are coming, we're going to see a big blow up in northeastern Indiana for sure. Uh, and so it's something to be watching. I was amazed just even from Monday to yesterday, how much gray has increased. Uh, so we're, we're not too far behind you probably from what you're describing. Yeah. We, we honestly had examples last year, Brian, where, uh, you couldn't quite pick it up with the naked eye yet. We actually had to bring the leaves back and put them up on a, on a window and let the light shine through them to really see the disease but the imagery could pick up the areas that had a little bit more disease compared to areas of the field that it hadn't quite infected yet. And so we can sometimes pick things up in the imagery that, that you can't quite get yet, even with your naked, naked eye to understand the, the difference. Now, not all the time. I wouldn't rely on the imagery to say, yeah, there's a change in the field. That's great lead spot. I need to call in the plane. You still have got to go look at the field, diagnose what the problem is, but the imagery tells me which fields to go to more than likely and, and what areas in that field are the best places for maybe go look to get a representative sample of the field. TC, you mentioned something a couple minutes ago. I'm curious, you know, Carl and I as agronomists, most of the, uh, the field teams in Pioneer, we've got drones. And I know at one point there was always a discussion about as drones became more popular with satellite imagery or airplane flights and all those kind of things become obsolete. How do you see 
the imagery in granular insights in a pioneer seeds app working with either those of us that have drones on the pioneer field team or with customers who have drones how, how do you make that work together right is it an either or or is it is there a relationship there no, I think they're complementary towards each other. Uh, a, a drone can get you a more detailed image than what you can get from a satellite. So you can go and, and get a, a more detailed either um, kind of a heat index type map or even a, um, you know, similar like an NDVI type map from your drone, right? We're working with drone deploy. So we can get an image from drone deploy after we, we fly the field. But you can also pick things up just from the the regular camera and the and the images. Sometimes getting that drone up there at 200 feet, 300 feet above that field, and taking a panoramic view of the field to see differences and changes. So that's something that you can't do with a satellite. So a satellite gets you scalable. Satellite imagery is scalable, repeatable. You're going to get a lot of images more often. And then it's going to give you a wider idea of where to go. If you get need to get more detailed, then the drone's got the capability of getting you more detailed. Um, and you can get a more detailed view then with the drone than what you can get with satellite imagery. So I think that both are, are effective usage. Um, you know, if you're a customer and you own your own drone, then you can fly your fields fairly easily. If you're an agronomist, you can only fly so many fields a day, right? So you know, it probably takes you an hour to fly a field by the time you get your drone out, go through everything, go through the process. So that means you're going to fly eight or nine fields a day, you know, and that's probably how many that you can get through. Okay. Well, well we've, we've talked about imagery, but, you know, one of the things that we are starting to see a little bit in some of these fields is uh, indeficiency, especially because we were dry. You know, we can pick that up, and that's probably what I have seen uh, imagery so far. You know, we're picking up those indeficiencies. We've got the nitrogen tool within granular agronomy, too, TC. How, how do you transition maybe from picking up a deficiency in insights on the imagery, and then how do we put the nitrogen tool to use to be able to help us with that if we see some deficiency are we deficient at this point in the season i mean what are you seeing you're seeing the whole state yeah you know from a nitrogen management standpoint you know at granular agronomy's got our own end model um that we've had out for for six years now um and what i'm seeing right now uh is we might be seeing some indeficiency in in the plants more more than likely driven by the fact that we're we've been dry and that we didn't have enough moisture in the soil to keep nutrients flowing into the plant um our loss mechanisms across most of the the geography that i cover have been low we haven't had enough rainfall events and heavy rainfall events that i would say leaching and denitrification are huge problems now there's always going to be isolated areas that have just been cherry and getting every rain but for the bulk of the geography i would say nitrogen deficiency is probably not a lack of n available in the soil it's more a lack of moisture being able to get nitrogen into the plant um so you know what i would what i would do is if i'm seeing a lot of nitrogen deficiency I, i'm probably going to be talking 
I might be talking about what has our nitrogen plants been and start looking, you know, realistically, we might be able to put some late season in now with through a wide drop through a high clearance um, spreader. Even even now, I think it'd be really tough with a spreader to get across it and tasseled corn. Um, but you could still put on a late shot with a with a wide drop application, or if you've got the irrigation on your farm, you could do some through uh, through a center pivot. I know I've got some fertigation going on with a with a customer this week and next, where we're putting a, a late shot in through the pivot and adding the late that last kind of shot in to get the get the crop through grain fill. Um, but that was kind of a planned application in our program, not really a savior. You know, we're not doing that to to save the crop. We're doing that because we had already planned on putting in on then and it factored it in. A lot of my conversations this past week with customers have been uh, surrounded by, well, usually at this point in the growing season, I'm kind of honked off because I haven't had enough rainfall to really make the top end of my crop. But so far, we've been blessed with some of these larger precipitation events in July that have kind of pushed us through a really stressful mm -hmm. time during pollination. Uh, so thinking about how do we how do we raise that yield bar? I'm I'm curious, TC. What what are your thoughts on those late season applications of nitrogen um, with today's hybrids, and maybe how that's a little different in terms of how we've worked through things, uh, you know, 30, 40 years right. ago. Well, there's there's definitely data out there to suggest that that we can still affect yield um, with a late season end shot uh, as, as late as an R2 timing on an application. So. So we can go later in the season with with nitrogen if needed. Um, so the 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 hybrids today definitely have those capabilities, and then I think it also depends on the type of the hybrid in the field. Uh, in in my mind, you know, a 1197 type hybrid that we know that it gets a lot of its uh, yield during grain fill. Nitrogen's going to be late. Nitrogen's going to be a bigger player in in my mind to that product than maybe a more fixed eared hybrid that we know is not going to push as much through the greenfield period, it's probably not going to see as much of a bump from a late season end application. So I think those both go into it. The other thing we got to keep in mind is the corn plant needs what? 37 to 40% of its nitrogen during greenfield. So 37 to 40% of what that end it's going to take up is going to be during greenfield. And of that, call it 40% that it needs, it's going to take anywhere from 30 to 65% of that in out of the stock that it's already taken in. So think about harvest quality. If, if you're gonna run short of in right now because you're going to yield better than what you think you were capable of and more so than maybe what you applied for, Carl, then you've got a couple of things that you probably ought to think about. One, Am I getting more organic in from the soil than I thought I would because we've had timely rain, good conditions. Maybe the soil is going to give me some extra in to help me out and help push me over the top. The other, the other scenario is, is I don't get enough in there and the plant starts robbing more of that nitrogen out of the, out of the, out of the plant biomass to put into the ear. And then what's that do for your stock quality and your standability later on in the, in the fall, you know, so, you might have really high yield, but is your stock going to be weaker because we've pulled some of that more of that nitrogen out of the stock, weakened our plant, and now we can't hold that big ear up 
all through harvest late. No silver bullet, right? A holistic approach to all all no. things in agronomy. So I think that's a, that's a well right. illustrated point. Late season end, great idea on paper, but if it's not our most yield limiting factor, then we've we've got other fish to right. buy. So and, and everything ties together, right? I mean, and, and nitrogen's not the only thing that affects yield, but it is a major component in corn uh, of yield and. You know, the other thing to keep in mind, what's your potassium levels? Potassium and nitrogen kind of go hand in hand. And if I've got lower potassium levels, it's going to be harder for me to push that yield by adding extra N and get that nutrient into the plant. So, you know, you kind of got to manage your whole system. It's not just a silver bullet of I'm going to go out and put a late season 30 units of N on through through a Hagee and I'm magically going to get. 30 more bushels that just it's not how it works it it all goes back to Liebig's law of the minimum that you know basic agronomy 101 if if you don't have p and k squared away or your ph if those are your limiting factors you could pour hundreds of pounds of in on and you're still not going to get the corn yield that you're expecting right absolutely cc something you touched on you know a little bit and this is i'm sure a common question that carl and i get you know, when you're starting to do those nitrogen plans you were talking about, I always say that, you know, pound of N for a bushel is still a pretty good rule of thumb. But, you know, that kind of starts to cross that line between the science of crop growth and the art of fertility. From all of the nitrogen plans that you look at, are is that 1 to 1.1 per bushel still the right N number to plan on? Are there better ways? Can we use the tool to help us make a better decision? Give me yeah. a little bit of your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I, I think that's a good starting point, Brian, but there, there's also better, there's better ways depending on management, right? Um, if, if I'm applying my nitrogen all in the fall, then I'm probably gonna be at the higher end of that nitrogen applied per bushel because I have to account for loss. The, the later in the season that I apply my N, the more I can, I can get that nitrogen use efficiency number down. I might be able to get to, you know, if you get, got out west where they do everything through center pivots, those guys might be applying 0.6 per bushel because they're spoon feeding that crop year, the whole season, right? And their, their amount of loss to leaching, denitrification, volatilization, whatever is, is fairly low. So they don't have to put as much risk in, factor into it. So I usually start at that one to 1.1, and then I start making adjustments based off of application timing, product that they're using, um, whether events are going to to have an effect. Um, some years, some years you put half your in on pre-plant, you don't get a big wet spring. You didn't lose as much of it. That means you're going to get more in into the plant, which means if I'm putting a late season shot on, I don't have to. Put as much on if i have a lot of early losses and i lose a lot of what i put on with my weed and feed or as my starter then maybe i have to bump it up a little bit more side dress or or you know late into a vt application because we've had loss and we still think that yields there um so i think it's a starting point but i think every customer is different and the problem that i see the most in nitrogen across the industry is we tend to want the silver bullet of 
we're just going to put on one to 1.1 pounds of N based off of what I've always done in the past. Every field gets treated the same and it becomes a logistical application instead of an agronomic application. So I think honestly, every customer should be looking at their nitrogen application on a field by field basis and determining what's my soil type, what's my yield potential, what's my application timing, and then making a decision on the right end plan and the right rates. And I think that's the biggest thing we help our customers with is having that conversation, building that plan on a field by field basis, and then making quick, timely adjustments in season as we need to. The question that I was going to ask is, there's a misnomer maybe that if I don't do variable rate nitrogen, then this tool's not for me. Can you talk a little bit about the guy that maybe isn't set up for variable rate, but how this tool yeah. that we've got and the model can help him? You know, I, yeah. I don't want folks to think that if I don't have a red ball system or I can't do something variable rate, that this just isn't going to work for me and help me manage my nitrogen. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we help a lot of customers. Uh, monitor their nitrogen throughout the season and then determine the right rate on different fields. So I may not be able to vary the rate by soil zone or by management zone in the field, but I can probably vary the rate field by field. So a field that's going to, that has a yield potential of 220, I might want to have a different nitrogen plan on it than a field that's going to yield 180. Um, the other thing that I see valuable in it is our weather is different every year. And there's a lot of factors that go into nitrogen management. How much rain did you get? Soil temps, um, application timing, soil type, organic matter, um, product that you use. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that, that affect nitrogen every year and every year it's different. So this tool allows you to understand, you know, my 17 years in ag retail, Brian, one of the biggest questions I would get in June after we took a five inch rain was how much end do you think we've lost? Do you think we need to apply more? And it was very hard to put a number to, well, yeah, I think we've probably lost some. How much? I have no idea. Is it 10 pounds? Is it 30 pounds? I, I, I don't know. This tool allows you to start by putting kind of a number to that and gives you a starting point to look at and say, okay, yeah, I think we've lost them in. Here's what I'm seeing. And now I can I can have more information to make an informed decision with my customer of do I need to apply more? Do I need to up that side dress pass or do I need to pull back? That's where I think it can help whether you can variable rate or not. TC, I was just curious, you know, you're having a conversation among three agronomists here, but for those in the audience listening, who should they reach out to to help be advised on on those field by field nitrogen applications? So, well, we, we've got granular agronomy service agents um, all across Indiana and, and Illinois and throughout the Midwest that, that are op options to work with. Um, the second option, contact your, your local Pioneer Seed dealer, your seed rep. Um, your local Pioneer Seed reps um, can put you in contact with somebody or can help facilitate through, we have a, a, a pro-service option where when we don't have CSA coverage in every geography, we still have the option to work with the Pioneer Seed Rep or through our Pioneer Agronomist to help deliver services like this to our customers. So there are multiple options to be able to utilize our, our nitrogen tool to 
to help your farm. I think you illustrate the point very well that there are so many different factors when it comes to that nitrogen management decision process. And oftentimes folks, because it's such a complicated system, they think, well, it's almost not even worth trying to manage on that field by field basis. But I think now, as we discussed earlier, the amount of data that we're able to process and ingest and get a better understanding of this very dynamic system and its interaction with weather, there's there's opportunities abound for us to improve the way we're we're managing our crop with respect to its fertility, not just nitrogen. So I think that's uh probably even a deeper conversation than what we we're able to get into here today. And it's probably wise for us to revisit this topic again here before we get to uh, dry fertilizer spread time. So uh, before we conclude today's podcast, is there anything else that you'd like to visit with us on? Uh, no, I appreciate you guys bringing me on today and, and letting me be part of your, uh, your podcast. I always like to talk about agronomy and, you know, oftentimes, our customers think of digital tools as just that, right? Another computer program, uh, another uh, another app for their phone, you know, another just uh, somebody else wanting me to, to change the way I'm doing things and use these digital things. You know, I, I look at them as, as this is just agronomy. This is the same stuff that we've been doing for 25 years, trying to trying to grow our crops and trying to make the best decisions we can. It just gives me more data and information now, but it's still the same agronomic decisions. It's just I'm more informed when I'm trying to make them, and now I have more more data and science behind me to back up a little bit of that gut feel that that all of us agronomists that that I know you know Carl and Brian you guys have sometimes when you're you're asked questions by customers of what would you do, what do you think, what should I spray. And the more information you have, the better decision you can most of the time make. So, you know, digital tools just give you more information to make those hard agronomic decisions. Very good. Well, with that, TC, we'll let you get back to the rest of your day. Uh, thanks for joining us again on the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. We're looking forward to a conversation again with you here in the not-too-distant future. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, TC. Yep. Carl, really great conversation with uh, TC today on everything around granular agronomy. As you think back over what we spoke with TC about, any final comments, anything you think worth repeating or adding to the conversation we had with TC today? I think we're starting to touch on a little bit of a theme here, Brian. The only way to know how to best manage your fields is to be out there scouting them. So whether that's to know what we have out there from a foliar disease standpoint, if we have nitrogen firing lower in the canopy, uh, we've got tools like the Pioneer Seeds app and Granular Insights, which can be found, you know, in your app store uh, to help give us some direction when it comes to scouting, pick out the hot spots uh, so that we know where to go instead of walking in 80 for a couple hours trying to randomly come across them. So I just think the the best way to manage your crop is to know what's out there. And I think that these tools uh, provide us an opportunity to certainly do that. Anything you, you took away uh, outside of what I just said? I, I think the biggest thing for me, Carl, and TC hit on it is, you know, we talked about a lot of the tools, the, the apps that are available on our phone. We talked about drones. We talked about, you know, variable rate nitrogen. We talked about all that. But when you boil it all down, it's still agronomy. It's still crop physiology. It's still 
all the stuff we do. We do a great job of collecting information. We're getting better all the time with using that information, but it's still nuts and bolts agronomy. And that's fun for me to be able to use all the neat stuff that we've got, but agronomy is what I enjoy. That's what I we all love. That's why we do what we do. And so it's just agronomy. We, we've got a lot better information, but it's still that basic agronomy. And so that's what stuck with me in our conversation. You know, TC gets to play with all the neat stuff, but he was really quick to say <laughs> it's still that agronomy. So, so that was fun. So, that's that for this episode of the Indiana Agronomy Podcast. Uh, as always, if you've got any feedback for us on the podcast, be sure to reach out to us. Uh, Carl, where can folks get a hold of you if they want to give us a little feedback on the podcast? Yep, check me out on Twitter. That would be at Jorn. Yeah, for me, it would be uh, BK Schrader at Twitter, uh, brian.schrader at pioneer.com if you want to do the email. Uh, as always, if you want to talk more locally than just Carl and I, make sure that you reach out to your local Pioneer sales rep, your local Pioneer territory manager, or your local agronomist. Carl and I only represent a really small uh, segment of a much larger group all the way across the Midwest, but certainly in the state of Indiana of uh, folks that represent Pioneer. And so be sure if you need some uh, local information, you reach out to those folks. So until next time, Carl, uh, good to visit with you. Appreciate TC spending time with us. And that's this episode of the Indiana Agronomy Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.